it has been wrong, and it always will be wrong. It's wrong to throw our lives away in riotous living. No matter if everybody in Detroit is doing it, it's wrong. It always will be wrong. It always has been wrong. It's wrong in every age, and it's wrong in every nation. Some things are right, and some things are wrong. No matter if everybody is doing the contrary. Some things in this universe are absolute. God of the universe has made it so. And so long as we adopt this relative attitude toward right and wrong, we are revolting against the very laws of God himself. Now that isn't the only thing that convinces me that we strayed away from this attitude, this principle. The other thing is that we have adopted a sort of uh, pragmatic test of right and wrong. Whatever works is right. If it works, it's all right. Nothing is wrong but that which does not work. If you don't get caught, it's right. That's the attitude, isn't it? It's all right to disobey the Ten Commandments, but just don't disobey the Eleven. Thou shalt not get caught. That's the attitude. That's the prevailing attitude in, in our culture. No matter what you do, just do it with, uh, with a bit of finesse. You know, a sort of attitude of the survival of the slickest. Not the Darwinian survival of the fittest, but the survival of the slickest. Who, whoever can be the slickest is, is the one who's right. It's all right to, to lie, but uh, lie with dignity. <laughs> It's all right to steal and to rob and exploit, but do it with a bit of finesse. It's even all right to hate, but just, just your hate up in the garments of love and make it appear that you love it when you actually hate it. Just get down. That's the thing that's right according to this new ethic. My friends, that attitude is destroying the soul of our culture. It's destroying our nation. Oh, yeah. The thing that we need in the world today is a group of men and women who will stand up for right and be opposed to wrong wherever it is. A group of people who will come to see that some things are wrong whether they are never caught up with. Some things are right whether nobody sees you doing them or not. All I'm trying to say is our world hinges on moral foundations. God has made it so. God has made the universe to be based on a moral law. So long as man disobeys it, he's revolting against God. That's what we need in the world today. People who will stand for right and goodness. It's not enough to know the intricacies of zoology and biology. But we must know the intricacies of law. It's not enough to know that two and two makes four. But we 
somehow that it's right to be honest and just with our brothers. It's not enough to know all about our philosophical and mathematical disciplines. We've got to know the simple disciplines of being honest and loving and just with all humanity. If we don't learn it, we will destroy ourselves by the misuse of our own power. This universe hinges on moral foundation. There is something in this universe that justifies Carlisle in saying, no life can live forever. There is something in this universe that justifies William Cullen Bryant in saying, truth crushed will rise again. There is something in this universe that justifies James Russell Lowell in saying, Truth forever on the scaffold, wrong forever on the throne. Yet that scaffold sways the future. And behind the dim unknown stands God within the shadow keeping watch above his own. There is something in this universe that justifies the biblical writer in saying, You shall reap what you sow. This is a law-abiding universe. This is a moral universe. It hinges on moral foundations. If we are to make of this a better world, we've got to go back and rediscover that precious value that we've left behind. Then that is a second thing, a second principle that we've got to go back and rediscover. And that is that all reality has spiritual control. In other words, we got to go back and rediscover the principle that that is of God behind the process. Well, I guess you say, why is it that you raise uh, that as a point in your sermon in a church? Uh, the mere fact we are at church, we believe in God, we don't need to go back and rediscover that. The mere fact we are here. And the mere fact that we sing and pray come to church. We uh, believe in God. Well, there's some truth in that. But then you must remember that it's possible to affirm the existence of God with your lips and deny his existence with your life. The most dangerous type of atheism is not theoretical atheism, but practical atheism. That's the most dangerous type. And the realm, even the church, is filled up with people who pay lip service to God and not life service. Filled up with it. And that is always a danger. That we will make it appear externally that we believe in God when internally we don't. We see with our mouths that we believe in him, but we live with our lives like he never existed. That is the ever-present danger confronting religion. That's a dangerous type of atheism. And I think, my friends, that that is the thing that has happened in America. That we have unconsciously left God behind. Now, we haven't consciously done it. We, we have unconsciously done it. 
You see, the text, you remember the text said that Jesus' parents went a whole day's journey not knowing that he wasn't with them. They didn't consciously leave him behind. It was unconscious. Went a whole day and didn't even know it. It wasn't a conscious process. You see, we didn't go up and say now, goodbye, God, we are going to leave you now. The materialism in America has been an unconscious thing. Since the rise of the Industrial Revolution in England and then the invention of all of our gadgets and contrivances and all of the things and modern conveniences, we unconsciously left God behind. We didn't mean to do it. We just became so involved in, in getting our big bank accounts that we unconsciously forgot about God. We didn't mean to do it. We became so involved in getting our nice, uh, luxurious cars, and they're very nice, but we became so involved in it that it became much more convenient to ride out to the beach on Sunday afternoon than, uh, than to come to church that morning. It, it was an unconscious thing. We didn't mean to do it. We became so involved and fascinated by the intricacies of television that uh, we found it a little more convenient to stay at home than to come to church. It was an unconscious thing. We didn't mean to do it. We didn't just go out and say, now God was gone. We had gone a whole day's journey. Then we came to see that we had unconsciously ushered God out of the universe. A whole day's journey. Didn't mean to do it. We just became so involved in things that we forgot about God. And that is the danger confronting us, my friends. That in a nation as ours, where we stress mass production, and that's mighty important, where we have so many conveniences and luxuries and all of that, that is the danger that we will unconsciously forget about God. I'm not saying that these things aren't important. We need them. We need cars. We need money. All of that's important to live. But whenever they become substitutes for God, Yes. They become injurious. Yes. And may I say to you this morning that none of these things can ever be real substitutes for God. Automobiles and subways, televisions and radios, dollars and cents can never be substitutes for God. For before any of these came into existence, we needed God. Long after they will have passed away, we will still need God. And I say to you this morning in conclusion that I'm not going to put my ultimate faith in things. I'm not going to put my ultimate faith in gadgets and contrivances. As a young man with most of my life ahead of me, I decided early to give my life to something eternal and absolute. Not to these little gods that are here today and gone tomorrow. But to God who is the same yesterday, today and forever. Not in the little gods that can be with us in a few moments of prosperity. But in the God who walks with us through the valley of the shadow of death, who causes us to fear him, that's the God.
devil. Not in the God that can give us a few Cadillac cars and Buick convertibles, as nice as they are, that are in style today and out of style three years from now. But the God who threw off the stars to bedeck the heavens like swinging lanterns of eternity. Not in the God that can throw up a few skyscraping buildings, but the God who threw up the gigantic mountains kissing the sky as if to bathe their peaks in the lofty Not in the God that can give us a few televisions and radios, but the God who threw up that great cosmic light and gets up early in the morning in the eastern horizon to paint its technicolor across the blue, something that man could never make. I'm not going to put my ultimate faith in the little gods that can be destroyed in an atomic age, but the God who has been our help in ages past and our hope for years to come, our shelter in the time of stars, and our eternal home. That's the God that I'm putting my ultimate faith in. That's the God that I call upon you to worship this morning. God, be assured that that God is going to last well. Storms might come and go. Our great star-speaking buildings will come and go. Our beautiful automobile will come and go, but God will be here. Last man will not. The flowers may fade away, but the word of our God shall stand forever. And nothing can ever stop it. All of the P-38s in the world can never reach God. All of our comic bonds can never reach it. The God that I'm talking about this morning is the God of the universe. And the God that will last through the ages. We are to go forward this morning. We've got to go back and find that God. But that is the God that demands and commands our ultimate allegiance. If we are to go forward, we must go back and rediscover these precious values that all reality hinges on moral foundations and that all reality has spiritual control. God bless you. K-A-Y-T 88.1 FM 70,000 watts of gospel power <laughs> Beaming on the blue mountains of Mississippi And the flat plains of West Texas And the beaches and bayous of Louisiana K-A-Y-T 